episode of Winning with AI. I'm with Simon today. How are you doing, Simon? Hi, very good. Thank you very much, Josh. Looking forward to another session. Brilliant. So today is slightly different. I know in the previous week we talked about myth busting and we've talked about a few different areas, but one topic that came up a lot at a few events went to at the, the end of 2023 was around security and AI and what can access, what might make public. There's a lot of different concerns that enterprise businesses rightfully have at the moment because we don't have much regulation and we don't have a lot around it. Um, and what I found was there wasn't much information out there on how that all works. So I spoke to you earlier and asked if we could chat around this because I'm really keen to kind of dig into the topic and ease some concerns around using AI with your CRM or thinking about you know bias and fairness, transparency, some of the, the, the points that you've made. So could we just jump straight in and talk about AI and data, privacy and security? It'd be great if we could take it away. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the 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 interesting thing here is that with the with the um, sort of mass take up of chat GTP last year, if you think about the way that that's been trained, it's been trained on public information, right? So it's been trained on the internet, you know, data on the internet from up to 2022, I think it is. And so that that data is publicly available. So there isn't a, a con, you know a, a concern or, a, or anything raised around that because anybody can go and have a look at that that, that, that data. It's on it, you know, it, it's yeah. on the web. Um, whether it should have been on the web in the first place is another another question. But it is publicly available. And <laughs> um, it's it's obviously very different when you're talking about businesses' own data. And so actually, this is part of the challenge that these large language models are having now, where they're trying to be more personalised to organisations. So they're trying to use these models in combination with their own data, uh, and this concept of the, then having trust, um, you know, around around this uh, around these this data that's um, and, and these responses that come back. Yeah. Where, where some of this data is is trained externally, and some of it's trained on internal data, and and how you then combine the two together. Um, with CRM, this is this is obviously you know you know even more sensitive um, around your, around your customers and who you're selling yeah. you know, who you're selling to the profiles of those customers and obviously particular customer data um, you know around personal customer data and we all know around uh, uh, GDPR and things like that that uh, there's 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 um, you know obviously a lot of legal um, uh, uh, sort of uh, structures and consequences around that and and, and yeah I mean, huge fines yeah for people who've breached it. Yeah. So, so actually, it's uh, it's really important that when you're when you're training uh, your your AI uh, solutions, and particularly, for example, um, you know, using CRM data, that you are very uh, understanding of those uh, um, you know security uh, uh, concerns or um, uh, or data privacy uh, laws that are there. Uh, and these can vary from uh, country to country, region to region. Um, we're 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 based in Europe. Uh, they have their own uh, you know set of, uh, uh, of data privacy uh, laws, uh, and they're, they're slightly different in the US. But obviously, we you know we as a business are also supporting customers in the US, etc. So you know yeah. they have to be, yeah yeah you know but very sensitive and very aware of these. Um, but one of the interesting things about AI is that um, it's not particularly uh, well, when you train AI, you actually train it on numerical data, not on textual data, which is which is typically where the um, you know where the where the concern is. So you've got a customer name, or you've got a, a mm -hmm. person's name, uh, these types of things. Then uh, actually, the AI really wants to convert that into a number, 
right? Before it can even start to, um, uh, in, you know, then um, you, know, you know build the models that it's interested in. So, in a lot of cases, you're you're you you prefer with an AI solution to bring in the account number, right? Um, rather than the uh, rather than the account name or the client name. Yeah. So. From that perspective, you can be very, uh, um, you know, you, you can be selective about what data you bring across and what data you train. You can have um, mechanisms whereby uh, the data is not held within the uh, within the AI solutions. Mm. Uh, clearly, you can also um, think about the AI uh, platform itself and the security of the AI platform. Because, uh, for example, a lot of uh, a lot of our customers use. Um, a cloud-based CRM solution, for example, like salesforce.com. So that's yeah, yeah. already in the cloud. Your customer data is already in the cloud. But you've been through a very rigorous um, you know, security check of that uh, of that cloud, of that of that solution. Uh, and our customers do the same with us. Um, so they 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 take us through the same um questionnaire that Salesforce gets taken through or HubSpot or whoever it might be. Yeah, yeah. And and so we have to make sure we conform to that. Particularly, for example, we've got customers in in Germany uh, and in the US and uh, and other parts of, uh, of of the UK and the rest of the world. And so we we have to make sure that we are compliant against against those. Um, you know, we we get a lot of help from the fact that we're on a particular platform like AWS, which has a lot of inbuilt uh, security and, and and things like that as well. So yeah. it is a it is a huge. Uh, a hugely important area, but one and one that has to be managed uh, correctly. And um, and so when you're looking at your data, you have to make sure that uh, um, you know what what you're training the data, uh, what you're training these models on, and the data you're passing back into. Uh, you're you're being you're you're very aware of what that data is and uh, and, and and how it's being used. Yeah, and I, I think there's a the fear in some cases, and I mentioned a, a large enterprise company who. Had a very similar fear earlier who work in you know the banking sector and things like that so they're they're very nervous about any data going anywhere which is you know right <laughs> they shouldn't do that you'd want them to be secure but i think there's a fear that if you plug an ai system in it's going to then go into the internet and anyone who's got access to that ai system could then type something in and find out all the information, for example, about cloud apps, who works there, where they live, and you know all of our customers' data and things like that. The reality is, with most solutions, I'd say, and correct it if I'm wrong, but they actually are built in private mode. So it's, it's, if it's built on your data, mm -hmm. it's an individual instance of that, that solution. It's like a piece of software. For example, our Salesforce isn't the same as... Salesforce.com, Salesforce, you've got a different instance of it. Yeah. And it's in the cloud, but they're totally different, can't access each other, they never talk to each other. So I feel like there's a bit of a fear. I think because ChatGPT searches the internet and crawls everything, it feels like, oh, it can crawl my, my CRM system and yeah. it'll pull it up for people. And obviously that's that's not the case, is it? No, that's that's not, and it's the same with. And you're absolutely right. Doing an analogy, for example, with with, with Salesforce there, where it, uh, it 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 hosts this in very separate areas. There, it's not separate physical infrastructures. It's a what's called a multi-tenanted environment uh, yeah. uh, for these types of things. But it but it does have very high security around each tenant within within the infrastructure within the physical infrastructure, so that it can't you know the data can't bleed outside of that. Yeah. So, and again, this is where uh, the whole ChatGPT thing has has kind of, or the large language models have kind of 
um, you know, created this sort of concern because, of course, you're typing stuff in and it's bringing stuff up from from your competitors' websites. Reports, yeah. Stuff, but it's all coming from public information. It's not coming from your your, your private uh, data. So, so whenever you, you know you're using AI to build these, um, in our case, these these sort of predictive models uh, around um, around sales, then we're using the customer's data, but it's sitting in a very tightly secured. Uh, environment no other because we're not we're not using that same data to train um or a, a model for somebody else or using that mm -hmm. model to be trained for somebody else the the models and, and and the data and the training data and everything sit within that um uh that 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 single tenant environment that uh, that you know that we're working in and so yeah if, if another customer comes in and says i'd like to use their model they can't right um and yeah, yeah. Or, or they want to um you know train on their data and combine it with their own data to, to get a you know to get a model they can't they, they can only train on their own on their own data that that has um a byproduct of the fact that you're not training on as large a data set which of course ai loves um but uh it does mean you're training on a data set that is more applicable uh, to your to, to your to your environment, your data and your culture, and therefore will be more accurate for your uh, you know for, for, for your business as a result. Um, and it comes back to, I think one of the points in the myth busting podcast, which is around personalization and personalized approaches, going to be much better and more relevant for you than actually just the generic one anyway. So it makes exactly. more sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you're dealing with a large language model and you're you're just trying to get a, a, a general response, you're doing research or and development, for example, around a around a particular topic or something like that or whatever. Then actually, you want that large data set to 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 being trained on uh, and, uh, and 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 then use that. Uh, but but when you're doing something, when your use case is more specific to your business and the way that your business runs and the way that your products sell in this industry, in this in this country, and this, you want to pick up those nuances in in the data, those patterns in the data. Uh, and if you if you dilute those with other people's data from an, from another customer, then that that's not going to give you the right um, the right levels of, of predictions that you that you need. No. Yeah. So so you, it doesn't mean that you can't combine your data, by the way, with public data sets or data sets that you can buy. For example, we often find that our customers' models are enhanced by them using um, you know, uh, uh, account data that you can buy from a third party, like a Dun & Bradstreet or, a, or you know, um, LexisNexis or people like that, okay. whereby you know, you're enhancing the, you know, you just got an account name, but actually if you could work and find out how many employees they've got, what their revenue is, um, you know, um, you know, maybe 10 other bits of information about that, about that account, um, you know, um, what their board split is and you know, all these types of things that they can actually be useful in as, as features in the modeling uh, and, and can actually enhance it. And that's data that, I mean, it's obviously not free, but it is, it is data that um, you wouldn't necessarily have your salespeople capture because yeah, yeah. They're not they're not disciplined enough to one capture it in the first place and two keep it up to date so in enhancing with public data or, or data that's been that you can purchase you know you know can help you but again that's under a secure environment that you're doing that yeah exactly secure environment i think is the is the key thing um in marketing data enrichment i think that's what the term is um ah, thank you yeah <laughs> uh well i think things that i was thinking that use cases you're talking i was just thinking for llms probably more specifically because they work on 
open public data and I'll be I'm not an expert and if any of your prompts are captured as part of that to teach it and how that works but if you've got your own enclosed models so I know actually a couple of my friends work at large tech companies uh, very <laughs> big household names uh, and they've chatted about it before and they've mentioned that they've got their own instance now uh, that the company use so anything that's inputted into there can be based off a, a blend of both so their data is a company, but then also they can draw from public data so you can get the best both if you're trying to get an answer. If you've got something that you want to say, actually, we do this, this is our data, is that relevant? It can go out and search and, and say, this is what the rest of the world are doing, this is a combination, how they sh you should approach it. And I think that's that's a good blend, good middle ground. Um, and in that instance, none of their data is ever going to go into the public and they're comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's probably the safest way of doing it. From that it, side. It is, and, and, and if you've got another company who's trying to access, they can only access the large language model. They can't access your 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 own personal data part of that, yeah. or your 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 enrichment part of that. So, uh, uh, you know, they would build their own within their own environment, and that's you know that's particularly useful in areas like customer support, uh, where you've got you know you're, you're trying to solve particular problems that the customers might have, and you want to you've got very specific knowledge around your products and issues that they've had in the past and you want yeah. to use that within your large language model so if someone comes in and says i've got this problem with my you know my car this has happened and then it can search through that and and before going off to the internet to find out if other people have had it outside of you know who are happy to talk about it publicly rather than privately within your within your environment definitely um, now one thing on, on both those even the public data and what you've got in your CRM is bias and fairness. And I know we've touched upon this, but it's, it's an important topic to go into. Um, what what's what's your thoughts on that, and how how you can approach that? Because there's a lot in there. The, 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 and this is a big this is a big subject, particularly around customer data, because again, you you may be better at capturing certain types of customer data, or uh, you might be better at capturing. Uh, particular data in a particular region and so that region actually gets a bias because you've got you've got an enhanced data set for that for that region uh and so i don't know let's say in sales you 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 have um, asked all your sales people to capture the number of employees for your for, 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 that, that you've got within your accounts yeah and, and and you've got that for um you know for, for france let's say right so you you've disciplined the sales people to capture that front France can use that data when you're modeling. France can use that data to help be more specific about the about the predictions or the modeling, whatever it's taking on. But if I then come to the UK, uh, and I've, I've that's, that field's not filled out, right, or it's filled out incorrectly, then the model is going to be biased towards and and and, and give sort of you know sort of less correct results. So uh, you've got to be quite you've got to be careful in 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 building uh, these models that you're using fields that are you know that are well populated and and well that's well distributed across your <laughs> you know across the yeah, region yeah. as well. Clearly, when you're mod when, when you're when you're building these models. If the data's not there, it will substitute. You know, the, it'll have techniques, for example, of putting the average value in for that, so that uh, it, 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 it's never blank. But uh, it will, uh, it, it, it can lead to to these models being being slightly biased, and of course, that can sometimes lead to unfair treatment of customers and particular segments of customers. So, um, again, this is where the sort of the human element comes in, and where this should be used in an augmented in an augmented way. Yeah, especially in regulated industries and things like that this i mean there's a problem because there is a lot of <laughs> unconscious bias um to different 
areas of society and it, it's it's a very hard topic because our data probably well it does have bias in it and to figure that out and solve it is a huge huge but task it is a huge task but then the human also has a massive uh bias um so if you take exactly anything, and that's you know, the problem isn't it <laughs> yeah, if, if we go back to the sort of the, the the previous podcast where we're talking about uh you know the um uh, that the, the AI isn't always, you know, hundred percent accurate, and and the fact that there's human there's human influence in there. Uh, humans are, I would I would say, massively more biased uh, than uh, the, than the computer is. The computer's taking the emotion out of it. It's taking out the historical sort of, um, you know, um, background uh, nurturing that you've got within there, and the biases that you've had placed into in, in, into a human's um, background. So uh, you will never get rid of bias. Uh, but you can reduce it down and, uh, and and take some of that out. So I, I would almost argue that it's it's helping with bias in the sense that it's it's trying to take that out um, from, 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 from you know from the human uh, sort of predictions that are coming through. Yeah, and, and that kind of leads into another area around transparency as well. Because yeah. okay, so you you kind of you you you've worked out this model. But you need to be able to explain back to, you know, the individual who's looking at the results. So whether that in our case, that's a seller. Well, what can you explain where this this number comes from? Right. So everyone has this great this great idea that you you at the top level, you just have uh, for a sale a, a number between zero and 100, which is the probability of this deal closing. Right. Everyone wants this lovely number. And uh, and as soon as you give them the number, they go, well, why? Right, where's where's that come from? And and they want to know especially, especially if it's low. Uh, especially if it's low. <laughs> They're yeah. saying it's about to close and it's like a thirty, well, and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> actually, interesting, especially if they disagree with it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So if it's high and they think and they think it should be low, or if it's low and they think it should be high, then that's where they um, where, where where they have a, a thing. So the very next step is to is to have a level of transparency of where that calculation has come from where that where that prediction has come from and this is this is called explanation within um, within the world of, of ai and, uh, uh, and and going back to some of the stuff i was talking about um, last week around the uh, you know you know complex is not always good all right the more complex the modeling process is the more difficult it is to explain because you've gone through multiple steps and using multiple different model types and uh, you know there's only probably in the last year you've been able to actually really um, you know get, get an explanation out of a deep, uh, yeah. deep learning model these types of things so you know and this is something we you know that, that we do as, as a standard is, is that we present back to the seller both a prediction and an explanation of what 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 areas there are of strength and what areas there are of weaknesses around the data uh, that that are related to the you know the outcome of that of, of the predicted outcome of that opportunity uh, which so is crucial yeah i think we, well, i think we've labeled it actionable insights we've, we've, we've talked about a few things but it's me meaning that you're not just getting the data on a plate and saying this is it this is the, <laughs> this is the the absolute answer just go and be a drone don't listen to it it's yeah, this I mean, is I, why and it means you can action that then because you know yeah, I mean, why I, I, I always think of this as three as three levels there's the there's the prediction which is you know what, what, what and that has a a very high value to, to you know to a business to be able to understand what the ai thinks right uh, as as a solution uh, as, as a prediction the next level is an explanation so why 
Uh, and and that's also useful because you might you then have a discussion around that and whether you agree or disagree or maybe some data is missing and if you add it then the, the prediction changes and so you, you actually then come to a you know mm. to be have a discussion around that just as you would have a healthy discussion if you were sat on a one-to-one doing a, an account review and saying well I think we're going to close this deal and the sales manager goes well I don't right and so you have a, a, a healthy discussion um, and uh, and then and then there is a uh, a third level which is a an action level right so you've got your, mm-hmm. your prediction your, your your explanation and then you've got your action and and that is then well what do you do about it all right so you know what what can the salesperson do and uh, at this point those those tend to be more sort of recommendations about what they can do i think uh, as time goes by those will be more actions and then actually as time goes further by go back to our previous uh, discussions that action will actually you know can be automated as well right or some of those actions can start to be automated uh, and it can start to send information proactively out to the uh, you know to, to the individuals or set up a phone call or set up a meeting and and uh, you know, yeah. set the agenda and, and these types of things uh, or, or send a recommended uh, you know piece of collateral or whatever it might be yeah and so, we, we reduce yeah. like loss rate and things like that through our platform by flagging these things but actually, mm-hmm. if it's that you need to follow up a call and have a meeting, then why not just put it in my diary? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why, why, why tell me you need to do that? Why not actually set it up and, and have a yeah. correspondence? And then the AI calendar engines can then talk to each other and, and find a, a suitable slot and, and these types of things. So, and I, uh, I think so, it yeah. brings us nicely on the dependency reliability point because, you know, if it does that, then <laughs> now, at this stage we're at today, even not at that step, it's how can we have that dependency and reliability in it? Then what, where, yeah, yeah no, how this, do you push that? This is, um, uh, I, I would say we're at this point with um, fully automated driving cars, right? So, um, <laughs> uh, or fully self-driving. So yeah, we, we don't want to lose, we don't want to let control, uh, let, let go of control. We, we want to still uh, have it as ideas and suggestions from the AI of what we might do. We're quite happy to let go of some things. So we're getting better as humans now in saying, well, I don't mind you breaking for me, right? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, right? And and some people are all right with it changing lanes for them, right? So there's some, there's some, but no one's no one's particularly all right yet with letting go of the steering wheel. Some people are, but the majority are not, right? <laughs> me included. So uh, I think there's, there's there's going to be this sort of stage where there is this sort of um, you know handholding or, or level of control that is going to st- stay at this point with the um, you know with in our case with the seller. So yeah. the seller wants to be wants to have suggested actions, but they're going to interpret that. They're going to apply their emotional intelligence to know, you know, is, is that a good action to take? Is is it the right time to take that action? And actually, is that the right person to take that action with? I know it needs to be taken, or it, it makes sense that, that that's done. But actually, you know, with my with my expertise laid on top of this, am I going to do that now? Right? Uh, and who am I going to get involved, etc.? So they want to still maintain control of that of, of the process. And, and I think it makes sense. And the car example's a good one to use again because it's you're probably more comfortable letting go on the steering wheel and letting it drive and things like that if every car on the road was autonomous and that's why it's, it, you can't at the moment and legally you're not allowed to just have a nap while it drives as much as we've seen videos of that from the us which was quite quite viral but you can't do that and that's because there's, there's humans out there who aren't predictable like machines not talking to each other necessarily on the roads a few things so i feel like almost 
until that stage, until your buyers using AI, you're using AI, you wouldn't let AI take the full control because you still need to control it, understand the emotions and do things. Yeah. We're not there yet. The, the, and there's a lot of um, social pieces around this as well in the sense that, okay, so let's say the AI starts sending things out and doing things on your behalf and then you sit down with your manager and it says, well, you lost that deal. And you go, well, no, the AI lost it. Um, so, you know, and your manager goes, well, I'm going to, you know, move you on from the business. And you go, well, I didn't do anything wrong. It was the AI yeah. that did it, but it was your account. So, and it's the same thing in self-driving cars. If you have an accident, actually whose responsibility is it and who's going to pay for it and who's who's liable for it, et cetera. So there's a lot of things to be to be sorted out, um, you know, before before people want to, you know, um, you know, let control. But they are... They are happy to be prompted and happy to be suggested and recommended certain things. They might violently disagree with those, and that's absolutely fine. But they are recommended and, and suggested. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's uh, today AI or a car like Tesla is reliable, and even my cash car has it. I put it in, and you know can drive and steer things like that, and. I'm happy with my hand on the steering wheel to let it do that. Um, and it's reliable enough to do that, but you're always in control. And if something happens, you're ready to take control, just like a deal and either steer out the way of it, losing the deal or take it to somewhere else because you know, you need to do something to, to, to close it. So, and, that, and that's that human, again, we've, we've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, and I mentioned it in the last one around that Gartner article that I was reading, um, which is the blended approach for, the majority of that, the, the pieces is still the best way of doing it um, yeah. because together then you've got a better experience and journey. So one thing you've, you've flagged on that is integration challenges, which this one's a, a really interesting one because how do you integrate AI? Well, it depends on your approach on this and it'd be good because there's a couple of ways you could perceive this, which is how do you integrate it in terms of usage, but also how do you integrate it from a technical point of view? Because Again, do you want to integrate it directly into your Salesforce because, or whichever CRM you use, um, MS Dynamics, uh, which HubSpot, um, from a, do I want to take that risk, which we talked about the privacy security stuff earlier, but then how do you integrate it into usage as well? Yeah. And, and, you know, anybody that's, um, worked in the area of IT knows that integration is, is one of the most expensive areas and one of the areas of most error, basically, as you, as you move data around, uh, it, it becomes, uh, you've got to re, you've got to restore it for a start. So there's a cost there, but there's a, there's the cost of actually, you know, making sure that it's kept in sync, uh, and, that, and that's all working correctly. So in our case, we take that cost away from the, from the customer for, for example, using using their Salesforce system, we built a pre-integrated solution between the two, um, and uh, that that that. And as a data scientist, one of the most challenging bits, by the way, is preparing your data set to then build a model from. And so, if, if we can we can take away that, uh, or, or or you know, um, suppliers like ourselves can take away that that part yeah. of the process, then we can reduce a lot of the cost and reduce a lot of the risk. Uh, for our for our uh, for our customers, and so it is literally a press of a button, and they put a username in whatever, and it's uh, and it and it then just keeps the two systems in sync, uh, you know, in 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 the background, of, you know, pulling that data across. But again, within the constraints of the um, uh, the data security and privacy, but also um, the interesting thing there is that it's also trying to reduce the bias uh, because 
what typically happens uh, in you know when you're building AI models um, in, in the past is that you would you would export the data from your CRM system. You would then probably do some manipulation of that data to say, oh, I'm not interested in those records, or I'm interested in those records. And by doing so, you're introducing a human level of bias because you're saying, I'm not interested in those records, or I'm not interested in yeah. that data. Um, whereas actually, you should bring the pure set across. So the, the closer it is to the to the original data Real. sets, the, the 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 better your 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 modeling is going to be, or the less bias you can start introducing into your model. And so, uh, so whilst it's a challenge, it, it's a challenge worth um, uh, you, you know worth worth um, uh, solving. Uh, and so, but but if you can push that onto the vendor, like our customers do, then that that yeah. becomes, doesn't become your challenge; it becomes somebody else's, and uh, and you can do that. And then you can start to combine it with other data and uh, and and, and put it in. So it's it's almost like the biggest integration challenge is for us anyway. The way we've set up because uh, you know we're quite easy, easily integrated into to the CRM. Yeah, I, I, the biggest. I, yeah, I mean, I if if you were to look at Gartner um, at um, looking at the data um you know sort of ai challenges that they that they listed the top one was was extracting and preparing data right so for organizations yeah. so you know when we when we work with our customers and when we first produced our our um our first version of our solution when we we did these pocs that we talked about these proof of concepts where we'd ask the customer for the data they would very often uh, have to go and, um, or, or we'd ask them to produce a CSV file of their of, of their data and then load it onto our system, not email it to us, load it onto their system, onto our system yeah, yeah. environment. Um, and uh, but that that could quite often take them weeks, right? Even even months sometimes. I think I think the longest we had was kind of three months or something. We 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 had uh, asked a customer for this data. Because they had to go through IT to, to 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 get it, they had to then decide what format it was in, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas now we provide the ability to be able to, as a, actually as a result of that, we provide the ability for them to be able to just put a username, password in, and um, uh, you know make sure it's all, it's authenticated, uh, and, uh, and and then it will it will pull that data. So within a matter of you know half an hour, an hour, depending on the size of the system, the, the the data will be will, will be extracted out, and, and and we can start to uh, to build the models and things. So. You know, we've we've taken what was a huge challenge yeah. and and made it into something that's very straightforward for the um you know for the end users and they could start to reap some benefit really quickly. It's interesting, and we can't talk for every solution, but in our case, I feel like the biggest integration challenge is almost the perception of having to do an IT integration to a degree because it's yeah, which is I mean I've I've done a lot of them and God they take a while usually and you bog down trying to do all the tasks and stuff and actually. Just not the case anymore just because for yeah. us anyway it's a real iceberg you know scenario um in the sense that you, you've got to, and, and it's also one that the business user who we're often working with who, who wants to benefit from the ai has no understanding of no control of uh and just has to go to it and say i'd like this data or i'd like these two systems integrated and they come back with this enormous number uh of days and time and and an effort uh, uh, that uh, you're never going to get through a, a decision-making process. So, um, you know, it's it's critical that you you help customers solve that integration challenge. Definitely. So just moving on to the final point, regulatory compliance. It'd be interesting to know what you meant around this um, because there's a lot of ways you could view it again. So I know 
it's a huge issue and a big challenge, but I'll let you, let you chat about it a bit because I've got a lot of thoughts on, on regulatory compliance, having worked in a lot of regulated industries. Okay. So I think this goes back to the first, the, when we talk about the first point around uh, different, uh, particularly ge- different geographical um, uh, sort of parts of the world have very different regulatory compliance, but also different industries also have very different regulated compliance. So if you're working in pharmaceuticals, it has a very different, uh, you know, from uh, from working in technology, for example, right, uh, and, and things. So the, uh, and, and the use of AI in those spaces um, I believe will also go through some some levels of regulation. I mean, obviously, the data is regulated at the moment, which is what you have to be very you know very careful about. Yeah. But I also believe the use of that data with AI will start to get regulated very very heavily in those spaces as well. I mean, if Bastard, you were to take yeah. um, if you were to take education, for example, then then looking at um, you know maybe class attendance, right? You've got to be very careful around. Uh, looking at the features that you're using around the characteristics characteristics of those individuals. So, for example, race, religion, um, you know, ethnicity, all these types of things. You know, you know are, are, one, are you allowed to use those, right, from a regulatory perspective? But two, should you use them from an ethical perspective, right? And so there's this, this sort of combination of the two. And so when you're I think you have a responsibility when you're when you're using this data mm. um, to, uh, to 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 well you have obviously have a legal responsibility if it's regulatory but you also have an ethical responsibility uh, to to ensure that you're using uh, you know the correct data to, to to do this. Yeah, I think. Yeah, should you use it? That's a <laughs> a question we'll park a little bit, but um, uh, the regulatory side of things just. I think of energy and, and finance sectors that I've worked in, and it's it's so strict that for me it, it probably comes back to the the transparency side as well a little bit. So this this compliance and ticking those boxes as a company, and I think doing things like you talked about about the ID, you just you, you don't need to have certain data into your data sets. It's not going to add any value. So why do that? You completely anonymize it. Still, a degree you've actually talked about some some parts there, which I was just thinking of, which probably does, for example, in education, if you have some of those pieces in there, would identify someone because the only one person who um, might fit that characteristic in that class. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, and then there's also the the transparency. So the third point we talked about earlier from a regulatory point of view is at the moment I, I don't feel like it's very clear, and we've had this in the past with software. With I think you know you think of GDPR probably came about because of ad opt-ins in the, the, the you know, uh, emails. You, you look at actual consent for things like marketing was not black and white or clear. You didn't tick something like 20 years ago. You just were in it. I remember a period of time where my personal email account used to just get absolutely hammered. And then literally the next day, I stopped getting all the emails because everyone was like, oh, GDPR. Uh, and GDPR is just one regulatory kind of approach you have to follow but ai at the moment is still a bit of a question mark and you look at open ai at the moment you're doing crawling so if you don't want open ai to crawl your website you have to put a piece of code into your website now um right. and they've announced that and it'll be happening it might have already happened if it's not happened this year they do it to a degree now but they'll be doing live crawling of your site a bit like google does so yeah yeah you could argue google already do that but in the ai context and how it's used it's slightly different so I think that transparency on the regulation and 
being compliant and me saying yes, you can have my data, it's going to be be huge. Um, so I think it's important as a business ourselves and as other businesses are really clear on a, the best approach and how how it's used as well. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing you have to to look at here is the um, are the different stages of the AI process as well. So um, the, 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 there's a stage of training, which which of course you need you need you know kind of as much data as you can get your hands on to to to, to train because then it's going to be even more accurate. <laughs> Excuse me, and. Um, but that that training data is going to you know you're going to require some um or, or may have it in it, it, it have, have some regulatory uh, it, you know challenges around around the data that you're allowed to train on yeah the model itself once you build it, the model itself has no real uh it, it doesn't have any um sort of customized data in it as such it's, it's metadata the model that yeah. you produce yeah, right? yeah. So it has it has it doesn't have a you can't interpret that and say oh there's this customer that does this or whatever um, and, and then there's obviously the predictions that you're producing at the end, uh, and, and and whether you know regulatory you're allowed to do those predictions, and then ethically whether you're allowed to do those predictions as well. So there is there are different stages that I think have different considerations that you need to uh, you know you need to be um, aware of and, and, and apply. Yeah, and I, I definitely think it's a one to watch. Um, I think it, it's becoming a bigger and bigger point. That's going to be addressed, which is good. Rightfully should as well. I mean, I'm I'm confident in our situation. You know, things like that, that level of data and what we do in the sales world is quite different to probably what we touch upon about the LLMs and crawling your site and, and certain information. But you know, something we'll definitely keep a sharp eye on and continuously um, monitor and, and improve. Yeah, I mean, we we obviously make sure we work very closely with our customers around these types of things. Um, yeah, and it's customer by customer basis, different industry, different approaches, things like that. So I think that covers everything. Was there anything else you want to to run by before we we wrap up? Uh, no, I think uh, um, it's again, it's been a pleasure to to talk with you around around these topics, and uh, um, you know, I hope it's helpful for our for our yeah. listeners. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a really important topic at the moment. So if anyone's got any questions as well, feel free to drop us a message on LinkedIn or drop us an email. Uh, we're here and we're happy to talk about it. But thanks a lot, Simon. And I will catch you next week. Thanks, Josh. Good, good to talk to you. Take care. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Winning with AI. We hope to catch you every single Thursday on your favorite podcast channels on YouTube and thecloudapps.com slash podcast website now please like follow subscribe and we'll see you next week thank you